quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connective parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm so glad you're here. And we are going to talk about the misconceptions around connective, conscious, gentle parenting. And there are several of them out there. And I get a lot of comments and pushback. And actually, people get very angry and upset when you present the idea of gentle or conscious or connective parenting because they there are there's a group of people out there, and I think there's quite quite a lot of them who believe that we are ruining society by parenting this way and that we are creating kids who one don't understand rules number 2 they can't cope with disappointment and number 3 that we're not teaching them lessons of the world or life lessons in order for them to be able to cope in this world And all of this stems from the idea that if you do not punish your children or give them consequences or treat them with harshness, that they will not understand rules, be able to cope with disappointment and won't learn the hard lessons of life. And if we just think about it in that very basic understanding, how can it be true that you only learn those things through consequences and punishments. How can that be true? And do we really believe that those are the only ways to instill morality and resilience and a sense of um, understanding right from wrong and understanding, you know, how you behave in this world? And what often I hear is that if you don't punish your kids, that they won't understand that they can't do something, like they can't hit their brother and sister unless you punish them. But do we believe that a child who hits their brother and sister at five, at three, at six, at 10, at 12, that they don't know that they're not supposed to hit and that's why they're doing it? 
Or do we believe that that child isn't doing well in the moment and that's why they hit their brother or sister, why they lash out or why they use aggression? It isn't because they don't understand the rules. It's because they're dysregulated and they're immature and they can't respond to their feelings and their emotions and they're upset very well. And so they get to a fear and they lash out. That's normal childhood behavior that we can correct using connection. And when we come with love and affection to those kids who are having a hard time, who are aggressive, we can help them get back online, get their brain feeling better, and then they can do better. When we punish a child, because we don't believe they understand the rules. It doesn't teach them what the rule is. It doesn't teach them that that hitting isn't okay. And it doesn't get to the deeper understanding of what's going on and why did they hit? We're just actually forcing them to stop hitting, but they're not learning anything internally. This other idea that parent kids can't understand or deal with disappointment when they're, when they're being raised consciously or gently or with connection is ridiculous. But I guess the other side of the discussion is that there's a group of people out there who believe that if a child has their feelings, when they do have disappointment, if they're crying and they're upset and they're emoting because they're disappointed, that that somehow indicates that they're not dealing with it. But I think just the opposite, they are dealing with it. They're saying in a very organic way, I'm disappointed. I'm having a hard time. I'm crying about it. I'm whining about it. I'm, I'm displaying my displeasure. Aren't we allowed to do that? Aren't we as adults allowed to do that? What I really see in our society is that there are plenty of adults out there who get really big and strong and emote these huge, big feelings when they don't get their own way likely because they haven't been able to express themselves and they've never been heard or listened to or come to with empathy. So they're still constantly trying to be heard. I find with my children is that their need to be heard about disappointment, about upset, about anything has decreased over the years because they have felt supported. They have felt heard and seen and understood. And what I've I've noticed too is that, yes, they express their disappointment but they get over it. They have resilience. It doesn't take them down. It really, it is a part of their world. It's a part of their ether. They're disappointed. They're upset. Like for instance, as we had this physics teacher who she's having a really hard time with because the class is really hard. He's lovely, but you know, she's in physics. It's not an easy class. And she came home every day for like the first two weeks saying, I don't like physics. It's really hard, mom. I don't want to be in there. And instead of trying to fix it or trying to cajole or trying to tell her why she shouldn't feel that way, I just sat with her and her feelings and, oh, you're really having a hard time. Physics really hard. I'm sorry. I'm right here. I'm listening. And after a couple of weeks of lamenting and having her feelings, she got over it and she's doing great in there. And she went and saw her teacher finally, and she had office hours with him and she figured it out that, you know, this is something she's going to have to deal with, but she was able to come to me and have her feelings around it. She was seen and heard and understood and felt supported. I didn't fix it for her, but I was there for her emotionally. So she was able to overcome that upset and overcome that disappointment. So I see it just the opposite. If you let your children emote, sure, when they're really little, they're really going to emote. They're going to cry a lot. They're going to have big feelings, some of them. 
some of them might go to withdraw. Those kids we should worry about, you know, why are they withdrawing? How can we get in there? That's a whole nother podcast, but they might have big, huge, upsetting feelings. They might wail and lay on the ground and kick and scream. That's okay. That's them emoting. It's just feelings. It's not going to kill us. And I think these people who are really fighting against children having their feelings find it very dysregulating for them because they probably never experienced big feelings as kids or they were never allowed to experience their big feelings with support. And so somehow they believe it's wrong. And I don't even blame these people because I think they they truly are just a product of their environment. They weren't able to experience their own feelings. And so somehow it puts them into their own fight, fight or freeze. By the way, it does that to me and has done that to me for years. I just know better and have tried to do better and have tried to like change my chemistry some and my neural pathway so that I can reframe this whole idea of big feelings and, and make them okay in my mind. But I too, when I first started, I was like, nope, they're too big. I can't handle it. This is wrong. We have to shut it down. How can I make it stop? And I think if we all just took a step back and, and thought about it, that we really do believe that everyone should have their feelings. How do you process when you're having a hard time? Do you want to be in a bad mood for a while? Would you like to talk to somebody? Do you need space to process? And that's a normal human experience with our emotions. My one-on-one parenting sessions are designed for us to dive deeply into your own personal parenting struggles. I wasn't being who I wanted to be as a parent. And I was often just really at a loss for what to do in situations that felt really hard. That's where we were when we started. We unravel those struggles using connection as opposed to resorting to punishments and threats and bribes. I teach you how to make that change. Myself and my husband like just didn't really know how to connect with our daughters. It was like a complete paradigm shift from what we were doing that was very obviously not working into more How can I be the best parent you need me to be in whatever situation we find ourselves in? Let me help you find more self-regulation so you can have the calm household that you always wanted to have. And now I'm like, duh, why didn't I learn this sooner? Become my private client today to find more peace in your household. Go to courses.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions to find out more information. Well, I'm so glad we found you. Thank goodness for Instagram. This other idea is that kids will not learn lessons. They will not learn all of the lessons of life unless we punish them or give them consequences or we're harsh with them. Meaning, I don't know exactly what it means, but I hear it a lot that they won't learn and they won't be able to cope in this world. They won't, I hear a lot like, oh, they they won't be able to, you know, take any criticism from their boss, or perhaps they won't understand that if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to end up in jail, which is, I mean, I hate to say that, but it's ridiculous. If a child is born in this world, by the time they're seven or eight, they understand who the police are and that the police are going to come get you if you do something bad. It's all over our news. It's in our schools. It's all over our world. We have police up and down the streets. Like nobody's just ignoring the idea that there's police and that there's rules and that there's jail. We all know this. We can teach this by just having a conversation with our child about it. We don't need to punish them and ridicule them and shame them and and be harsh with them in order for them to know that if they go rob somebody, that they're going to be sent to jail. 
that's ridiculous. And so what this whole idea of conventional parenting is, is that we should be harsh and, and, you know, use punishments and consequences and all these things to keep our kids out of jail. But what I see is that most of the people who are incarcerated, this isn't likely their first offense. This isn't likely their first punishment. This isn't likely the first time they've been given a consequence. But those punishments and consequences that we deeply believe are supposed to keep our kids safe from making mistakes later don't really work because we have millions of people in our jails who have been punished over and over again and still remain there because. They lack connection. They lack leadership. They lack support. They lack all of the things that conscious connected parenting gives us, gives our children, provides for us. Just imagine if we had a world that was parented this way, that was parented with more love and kindness and consciousness and was parented, you know, without punishments. Where would those people be if they had parents who? could come to them supportively. Where would those people be who are in jail now? I don't think they'd be there. I really don't. And I don't think it takes a punishment or consequence or being harsh to a child to help them be a good person. And I can tell you firsthand, I have, I say it all the time, my daughter will be 17 in January and she's so lovely. She's super moral. She's very connected to the idea of right and wrong. She doesn't want to do the wrong thing and she rarely does. Does it mean she will always be perfect? Absolutely not. She says and does things to me that are unkind. I know I'm the safe place, but in the real world, our neighbors will come out and say, oh, we love Esme. She's so sweet. She babysits for the neighborhood, you know, kids and all the kids come out and greet her and love her. And so I know she's a good person and I know you don't have to be punished and given consequences and being treated harshly to be a good person in this world. That just isn't true. It's a total and complete fallacy. So if we can unravel that idea, if we can unravel the idea that our children will learn the rules, they will learn how to cope with disappointment and they will learn the lessons of life without harshness and punishments, we could change the whole world. We really could. We could make the world a new place. And that's why this work is so important to me and why I believe so deeply in it is because we can change the world with one little family at a time, with a few children at a time who will grow up to be kids who don't punish their kids and so on and so forth. Okay. I could go on and on forever. Thank you very much for joining me on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I hope this was helpful in kind of demystifying some of those ideas around conscious, connective, gentle parenting. I hope you join me next time on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. And I would love it so much if you could leave a review. I've had some incredible ones as of late. And so if you could leave yours too, it just helps other parents find this great movement so we can change the world together. So thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.